Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Just thank you for joining me on this journey through the book of Hebrews. Uh, in, in the last podcast, we kicked off Hebrews chapter 2, and, and the, the author continued their theme of Jesus is better than the angels. And he talked about how <clears throat> that, that Jesus is the standard of truth, and, and we have to hold on to that truth and not drift away. And today, um, we're going to keep uh, digging on in and finishing Hebrews chapter 2 and, and, and going on and continuing with this thought that God being the standard of truth, and we looked at some verses in, from the Old Testament about, about God uh, dropping the plumb line, uh, that, that, and that's what uh, carpenters use when they're, when they're building a house or building a structure to get a true measurement so the walls would be perpendicular, they would be perfectly straight. Uh, they would drop that tool called a plumb line. It was a, a, a weight on the end of a string, and then they would take their measurements off that. And God says, I'm dropping a plumb line amongst my people Israel, and, and, and that plumb line is the standard of truth. And, and, and God says, look, I'm not going to allow you to continue to satisfy your selfish desires. I am the standard to be measured off of. And, 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 and you can choose to accept that or reject that. You have that choice. God gives you that right. But if you choose to reject God's standard of truth and, 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 and reject Jesus, who is God in the flesh, then, then, then there's a price. There's consequences that come from those choices because God is the plumb line. He is absolute truth, whether we choose to believe that or not. And he reminds his readers the Hebrew author does, to keep their ears open and listen to the truth of Jesus so that they will not drift away. And today we're going to finish up, like I said, chapter 2. And starting with verse 5, uh, he again states that Jesus is better than the angels. He says, and furthermore, it is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place the scriptures say, what, what are mere mortals? that you should think about them, or a son of man, that you should care for him. Yet for a little while you made him a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them the authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not, seen, we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was, it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into glory their salvation so here's the cool thing uh, about what the hebrew author says we have the the very same scriptures that he quoted in our bibles today and that would be psalm uh psalm 8 verses 4 through 6 and that, that's really cool because I, I can turn in my bible to psalm 8 and, and and read the very 
exact scriptures that the Hebrew author, when he was penning this letter to his readers, the very same exact scriptures that he used, we have it in our Bibles. To me, that's just really cool. But I want to summarize what he's telling his readers like this. Man cannot truly relate to God because he is holy. And we, even though we are created by God, we are not holy by any means because we are sinners. To relate to us and to save us from our sin, God left heaven and put on flesh when he was born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus was his name given by the angels and he was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. For 30 years, he lived as a normal human being and he never sinned, not one time. He kept the law to perfection, and when he was 30 years old, he started his ministry by being baptized by John the Baptizer in the Jordan River. For three and a half years, Jesus, God in the flesh, right? He walked around teaching people about God and how God wanted us to live. He helped people and healed them from their sicknesses and diseases, and he cast out demons. Jesus, God in the flesh, he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, and not one time did he sin. Because of his perfection, he could be the Passover lamb that was sacrificed to satisfy the sin debt to God. And because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we can be reconciled to God. And Jesus, who is God in the flesh, right? I keep hounding that point in. He is the only way to be saved, to go to the Father in heaven. We can choose to accept that or reject that. We have a free will because God has given us that free will. He has given us the ability to choose what we're going to do with his message of agape, unconditional love. And so the author goes on to say, So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him, that is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying he, he could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every aspect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. So what I want to do for the remaining uh, minutes of this podcast is break down what he just said because it is a lot uh, and it's and, and, it, and it's very deep and so we're going to let it flow here the first thing I want to point out or break down is this he says so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father because of the blood of Jesus when we accept him as our Lord and Savior God the Father is our father he becomes our heavenly father we are literally adopted by god the father romans 8 12 through 17 paul says it like this therefore dear brothers and sisters you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do 
For if you live by uh, by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. And now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, Paul says, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His sufferings. So, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ and we make Him our Lord and Savior, God the Father adopts us in in, in, into his family, uh, the church and, and, and his kingdom. And, and he is our father and, and, and we are heirs. We, we get the blessings that, that belong to God. It, all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we accept his sacrifice and what he's done for us on the cross in that empty tomb. Second thing that I want to talk about that he says... Jesus makes us holy. Jesus makes us holy. Because he says, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. The Greek word for holy here is hagiazos, and it means to be set apart for a holy purpose. Isaiah 64, 6 says that we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteousness, our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. We are all sinners. Jesus was the only one who never sinned. The only one. Everybody else, Romans 3, 23, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way that we can go to heaven and be with the Father for eternity is through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and accept what he did as he come out of that tomb on the third day and being resurrected making him our lord and savior so isaiah 64 6 says we're all infected and impure with sin so what are we going to do about that well we can learn uh, from israel's example because we're not holy and nor can we ever be holy except through the blood of jesus and in, in the old testament uh Israel gives us, and, and that's why I don't understand why people think that the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore and it's irrelevant. That there are so many great lessons in the Old Testament, and I, I just encourage you to to get your Old Testament out and read it and and learn. Uh, just as you read, watch how Israel and God reacted with one another, and 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 learn uh, from their mistakes, and don't make the same mistakes that that they did. Uh, so in uh, God is going to send prophets to his people Israel to warn them because they're living a life of sin. And one of those prophets is Isaiah. And in chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, Isaiah says this, uh, Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. This is God talking through the prophet Isaiah. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of the widows. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. 
Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. And the unfortunate uh, uh, part of this is, you know, we can we know what happened. We can look back and read what happened. And Israel choose to reject God. They did not listen to the prophets, and and for uh, uh, for God allowed the Babylonian army to come in and basically wipe them off the face of the earth. Women were killed, men were killed, grandmas and grandpas were killed, children were killed, and um, I mean they were almost wiped off the face of the earth. And He saved a little remnant so the Messiah would be able to come and He would be able to establish His kingdom through it. But uh, they did not listen, unfortunately. And so we, we can learn great lessons uh, from uh, Israel's example. But the only way to be holy, and that's what he's trying to tell Israel here. You need to repent. You, and what, what does repent mean? Repent means to do a 180. When we're sinning, we're going away from God. And so we need to be walking toward God. We, we need to be drawing near to God so he can draw near to us, not running from God. And so we need to repent from our sin, from our selfish ways and our evil desires and doing our own thing and, and turning to the absolute standard of truth and, 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 and trying to be more like the standard of truth, trying to be like Jesus who is God in the flesh. And that's the only way that we can be holy or be made holy is to turn to God. And the only way that we can turn to God, the Father, is to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's why he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. In Jeremiah 31, 34, it says, and this is another prophet in the Old Testament, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. In Malachi 3, 3, another prophet. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi, that's the Israelites, and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. In Romans 5, 1, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what is, what is faith? Faith is, we can't see. Even though God has adopted us as his sons, we can't see God. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And, and it's, in, 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 I believe it's Hebrews eleven six. it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we have to just trust that even though we can't see God, we know that he's there. We know that he is in heaven sitting on his throne and Jesus is sitting at his right hand making intercession for his people and that he is sending down his Holy Spirit to uh, fill us so that he can live inside of our hearts, which we are, it's what Paul says, that our, our bodies are the temple of God. God resided in the temple in the Old Testament, but now he resides in us if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Jesus has done by shedding his blood on the cross, we can now have peace with 
God, but only through Jesus. Hebrews 13, 12 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to, and here's the word, sanctify, this is the same word, hagiazos, to sanctify, to set us apart for a holy purpose. Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. And he's talking about when Jesus was nailed on the cross. That was outside. They had carried Jesus and those other two criminals outside the city gates to crucify them. And he was hung up on the cross outside the city gates as he hung there for six hours struggling to breathe and, 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 and suffering all kinds of shame from the people. And that's why he's saying here in Hebrews 13, 12, because Jesus, going outside the city gates and being crucified, he, when he shed his blood, he sanctified us. He set us apart for a holy purpose. And, and, and through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are now holy before a holy God. But, and that's the only way that we can come before God. And that's why he says in the book of Hebrews that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, we could not enter in the presence of God. And I'll talk more about that uh, in a few minutes. Because the priest in the Old Testament, when they, they, they did something very similar. They had to make a sacrifice before they could go into the presence of God. And so we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But... The point I want to make is that Jesus makes us holy. And that's the only way that we can be made holy. The third thing I want to cover is this. We no longer have to fear death. Psalm 23, a passage that preachers use in funerals, and I'm sure you've heard it many times and maybe you can quote it. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. And that's, that's the key part right there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life and my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. But he said in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 18, uh, John is given this revelation of Jesus. And this is what he says in these verses in Revelation 1, 4 through 18. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. That's key right there. And he made us into a kingdom, priest to his God and father to be the glory of and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who perceive him. Or, I'm sorry. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and was and who is to come 
the Almighty. I, John, your brother and the fellow participant in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance in Jesus, was on the island of called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So he's telling us, you know, he, basically he was preaching about Jesus and he got banned to this island. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, Myrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me or speaking with me. And after turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and wrapped around the chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it was when it has been heated to a glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. Now, it says in verse 16, In his right hand he held seven stars. Out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God, Hebrews 4.12. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Now, now catch this. This is the part I don't want to get to right here. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one, and I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And check this out. And I had the keys of death and of Hades. Jesus was crucified on that cross. His disciples saw it. Many people who was walking outside the city gates saw him die, saw him take his last breath. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, they took his body off the cross and put it in Joseph's tomb. And then three days later on Sunday morning, out came Jesus alive. And he's sitting there swinging those keys on his fingers. And he says, "Uh uh-huh, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Because Jesus has conquered death, if we have been washed in his blood We can go to the grave with a smile on our face because we know that what is to come on the other side will be so much better than what we have here on this earth. We will have a home with Jesus, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit for eternity. And and John uses all this imagery in in the book of Revelation to... uh, to try to describe heaven it's undescribable and and and, and i i had somebody uh asking me yesterday do i even believe that heaven is real do i believe that hell is real and you better believe it and i and i gave them all kinds of uh uh um proof that the, that the two exist and we talked about that for quite a while is a really good uh bible study but whether you choose to believe it or not does not change the fact that heaven is real and hell is real. But if we are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear death. And I, I remember when uh, COVID first uh, came along and people were scared to death. They thought they were going to just immediately get COVID and die. And I mean, they, they were literally scared of death. They were scared to death because of COVID. They thought... If they got COVID, they were they were going to die immediately. And and, and and I remember those first six months. That's that's the way people were. And 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 I would hear people say, 
and, and I even said it, there, there's nothing to fear. If you get it and you die, there's nothing you can do about it. You, you can't stop death. Death is absolutely coming. It's appointed unto man to die once, and after that, the judgment. Death is coming. No matter how many creams we put on our face, we can do the cucumber thing and all that stuff that, that, that women do to make themselves look younger. Look, we're going to keep getting older every day. This body is decaying. It, it's falling apart. That's why we... we hurt when uh when we get older and we have these aches and pains because uh we're decaying but we're designed to do that because we have a beginning and we have an end and we we take our first breath we take our last breath and once we take our last breath i mean there's no stopping it no there's no no matter how many vitamins we take no matter what pill we take death is coming someday we don't know when but it, it but we do know that it's coming you can't stop it but the great thing about it is, is that you can have peace and you can have a smile on your face when it does come because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But if you reject the blood of Jesus Christ, if you reject that sacrifice that he made, whew, man, I feel sorry for the people who make that choice because there's no second chances at accepting Jesus once we leave this earth, once we take our last breath on this earth and we take our first breath into eternity. There, there's no going back. No going back. So I, why would people reject the love that God has? He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. That, there's no greater love than that, Jesus says, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And he says, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you. And it starts with accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Why, why would anybody reject such love? Especially when, when they know death is coming and they're going to face Jesus they're going to face God the Father. They're going to face the Holy Spirit someday. I, I don't understand it. So, anyway, we'll move on. The fourth thing that I want to cover that he talked about is this. If you belong to Jesus, you are a descendant of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. The old VBS song that we used to sing. Um, but God made Abraham a promise that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky. If you ever try to count the stars, it's impossible. And he also told Abraham that his uh, descendants would outnumber the sand on the shores in Genesis 15, 5 and Genesis 13, 16. Now he made those promises to Abraham when Abraham was, about, I think he was around 75 years old and he was childless. Sarah could not have children. And Isaac was not born until 25 years later. Uh, so I, I can't remember if Abraham was 99 or 100 when Isaac was born. But he was very old, and they were past the childbearing years. And, and Sarah laughed when she got the news. And God says, why do you laugh? And she said, well, I, I didn't laugh. Oh, yeah, you laughed. And matter of fact, Isaac's name means he who laughs. And, and so that's the, that was the start of Abraham's descendants. And yes, it was referring to the Jewish people all throughout the Old Testament. But now, in the New Testament, if we belong to Jesus, then we are a descendant of Abraham. Paul says it like this in Romans 4, 1-17. through Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. 
For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord uh, has cleared of sin, uh, whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? And by the way, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Just point blank. No matter what nationality you are, you're a Gentile if you're not a Jew. Well, we have, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith, but how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? That goes back to Genesis 17. Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have, have, if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his disobedience. I mean, I'm sorry, and not, it was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary, and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. But there is a law because God set the standard, because He's the standard of truth. So, the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. See, Paul just puts it point blank. Uh, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. In Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Paul writes, But Christ has rescued us from the curse promised by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. That's us. If we're not Jews, we're Gentiles. God has, through Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So, those who believe in Christ, believe in God by faith, are children of Abraham. Not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And we are all a part of the kingdom of God. The fifth thing I want to talk about that he discusses um, is this we will talk <clears throat> we'll talk about this 
as we get deeper into the book of Hebrews, but the author mentions Jesus as the faithful high priest. And this goes back to a point I was making earlier about the priest making sacrifices and shedding blood to enter into God's presence. Because the duty of the high or the duty of the priest was to go into God's presence in the holiest of holies. You had the you had the tabernacle, you had uh, you walked into the tabernacle and you made a sacrifice, and there was a brazen labor where the, the priest would wash up. And then they would go into the holy place and they would light the, the, the incense and the, and, or the candles and then they would burn incense and the room would fill up with smoke. And, and then they could go into the, uh, the presence of God, into the holiest of holies where the mercy seat was, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And they would sprinkle the blood of the sacrificed animals on the mercy seat. And then they would come out and, and uh, out of God's presence, and they would lay their hands on the scapegoat, and they would pr- pronounce Israel's sins on the scapegoat, and then send the scapegoat out into the countryside. And it was signifying that Israel's sins were gone. Uh, and they, they did that once a year on the Day of Atonement. But the problem with the priest in the Old Testament was that they were human. And they were sinners because they were human. And so, therefore, they would have to make many sacrifices just for themselves before they can make a sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of Israel, but not Jesus. Jesus was a faithful high priest, and he never sinned. Even though he was human, he was God in the flesh. He was 100% God. He was 100% human, and he kept the law to a T. He never broke the law because he would have been a sinner if he did that, and he couldn't be the sacrifice for our sins. But he he, he was... Uh, because of his uh, never sinning, he was able to be our one-time offering for our sins. And he became sin, as uh, the verses pointed out, that uh, when he was hanging on the cross, because cursed is any man who hangs on the tree. This will be talked about more in depth in chapter 7, but in verses 26 and 28, of chapter 7, he says, uh, of Hebrews, it says, He is the kind of high priest, talking about Jesus, He's the kind of high priest we need because He is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, He does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when He offered Himself as a sacrifice for the people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weaknesses. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made made the perfect high priest forever. And so what I want to do is wrap up chapter 2 with this thought. Because we covered a lot of stuff, and it, it can go on and on. It can go a lot deeper, but I'm, I'm trying to just highlight uh, with a little bit of depth what, what he's trying to cover and say to his readers here in chapter 2. And so I want to wrap it up with this thought. Jesus was God in the flesh. God put on flesh and he left heaven, was born of Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary. And for 30 years he lived like an ordinary kid, like an ordinary teenager, like an ordinary dude, but he never sinned. And at the age of 30 he was baptized by John the Baptizer in the Jordan River and that kicked off his ministry. And for the next three and a half years, he did nothing but help people and show God's standard of truth to the religious leaders and to the people that he came in contact with. He showed grace and mercy and compassion. 
He did all these great things. And then he, 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 he knew that now God could relate to us and we could relate to God because since he put on flesh, he was tempted in every way that we were tempted and yet he never sinned. So he, he, God knows what it's like to struggle as a human with all this different stuff, but he never sinned. And so because he never sinned, he could become that perfect sacrifice, that once and for all sacrifice that our sins could be washed away and we could have a relationship with God the Father, that that God's wrath would be appeased because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God looks at us through a filter. He looks at us through a filter of the blood of Jesus. And, and it's not like he doesn't see our sin. It's not like he doesn't know that we're sinners. It's not like that he doesn't rem- remember our past sins. And, and it's not like he doesn't know our future sins before we even commit them. But when we're washing the blood of Jesus Christ, he looks through us, He looks at us through the blood and we're forgiven. Not like those those sacrifices that were, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and thousands upon thousands of sacrifices they were made throughout all the Old Testament by those priests for Israel. They never washed away any sin. They, they, they only covered them. And, and Jesus' blood, not only does it cover it, but it, it washes our sins away. That's why I shared those verses earlier uh, from Isaiah where God says, Your sins are scarlet, but I'm going to make them white as snow. How is that? Because when we're washing the blood of Jesus Christ, our sin, our stain is washed clean and we are given this new garment of Jesus. And, 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 and God looks at us through the lens of Jesus. And Jesus is sitting at his right hand saying, ah, He's forgiven. She's forgiven. Yeah, I know they're sinners. They're Romans 3.23. They're falling short of our glory. But they're, they're, they're trying their best and they're walking with me. And they are forgiven. Now, if we reject his love, if we re- reject his sacrifice, if we do not accept him as our Lord and Savior, the bottom line is we're still going to go before him someday when we cross over into eternity. But unfortunately for us, when we bow the knee before him and we confess him with our mouth that he is Lord, he's going to say, I never had a relationship with you. I didn't know you. I don't understand why you rejected my message, but you did. And now you can't be in my presence. So take a hike. And we don't want Jesus to say, take a hike. We want Jesus to say, well done, our good and faithful servant. You chose to accept my sacrifice. You chose to be washed in my blood. Come on in and spend eternity with me and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for choosing me. Why, why would anybody reject such great love? It makes no sense. It's because we're selfish. And we think that we have to have our own truth. And what's true to you is not true to me. And I want to be identified as this. And I want to be called this. And no, the standard of truth is set whether you choose to believe it or not. God is the standard. He is the plumb line that everything is measured from. And if we choose to be measured from something else, look, it's going to be crooked. Our lives are crooked. And the only way that we can be made straight is through the blood of Jesus. And so I'm, I'm just asking you today to give it a thought, to dig in, to find you a Bible, a, a version that you can read and understand. New Living Translation, NIV, New American Standard, New King James. Find one that you can read and understand 
and just read maybe Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, one of the four Gospels. I recommend John. You listen to my podcast about John because John just says, here's Jesus, here's what he did. You can accept him or you can reject him. And, and just learn about Jesus and just pray, God, if you're real, open up my heart. And I promise you, I promise you, he will. And you will be glad that you made that decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior before you take your last breath on this earth and cross over into eternity. This is not my truth. I am sharing the truth, the absolute truth that Jesus died for you. And here's the thing. Whether you choose to accept Jesus as sacrifice or not, He still loves you. But that doesn't mean He saves you. God loves everybody, and and nothing can separate us from the love of God, Paul says in Romans. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we choose hell when we choose to reject Jesus. And there's coming a day, if we do not accept Him as our Lord and Savior, and He's going to say, I'm sorry, but you have to go into everlasting punishment. Regardless of your decision today, know that I love you. God loves you. I'm here for you. He's here for you. I want to help you get to know Jesus better. I I I want you to to draw closer to Jesus. If you have any questions about anything I've said today in this podcast or any of my podcasts, if you have questions about the Bible, about God, about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, whatever, please contact me at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com and I will promptly answer your concerns. God bless you. Thank you for listening today and keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.